You hear that? <laughs> you got it working. I got it working. What is up, everybody? My name is Chad Brock. And I'm Zach Bailiff. Welcome to the 18th, 17th, 18th. I uh, lost I count. Yeah. 19th, 18th. Maybe. It's right up there in the corner. I can't even read it. Right, welcome <laughs> to the 18th edition of the Orion Podcast. That was just enough time to pop an Instagram story. Look at me go. <laughs> well, my phone is in use, so I can't. Well, you know, it's pretty sad that I missed the episode number considering I actually have my glasses on tonight. So, like, that's true. Chad you should be able to here. see better than I can. Yeah, you would think I can actually see you better. Smart Chad, like Smart Hulk, or Smart Hulk, Smart Chad. No, no comparison <laughs> at all. No comparison whatsoever. Oh man, Jason Cassidy in the house watching tonight. What's up, buddy? Good to see you out there. Um, hey, hey. So you got you got to go. I didn't get to go out fishing. Did you go hunting? You went some uh, hunting in. Not last weekend. Opening day here rained all day long, and when you're carrying the camera equipment and trying to catch stuff on film, that just does not jive very well. So I was at home last weekend. We, I got uh, some hard drives backed up, but weren't doing too well um got it backed up so i saved all my media there and uh worked on getting some stuff together i am going out next saturday so i'll be in the tree saturday morning and then on the trail in the jeep saturday afternoon so we got a jeep fall jeep fest is here so that'll be get good. that out of the way and then we'll be full force into the hunting season we need to come out and go to a jeep fest i feel like it'd just be a good time to ride around it's it's a good day it's a good day I don't know how we'd all six fit in your Jeep, but it'd be interesting. trails over there. Um, Mama and the girls would probably just stay home and chill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try and get them out on the trail, though. Zoe's not quite two yet, so she's not not front-facing in the car seat yet, but I think we could probably do so for the trail ride and then put her in the car and get her back home. Our parents let us ride around in the back of the truck. No seatbelts. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Back of the truck, back the, the car. Just don't put any pictures <laughs> on the internet. It'll be fine. Yeah. All right. We have got a very special guest tonight. Um, straight from Kodiak, Alaska. Oh. With a with a bear story that we'll get into as we work through the podcast. But um, a man with several talents that uh, is chasing chasing a life, chasing the dream in, in America's last frontier. I think you guys are going to like what you have what you're going to hear tonight. There you go. Spit it all out. It's a lot of words. I'm just going to introduce him. 
Welcome, <laughs> Josiah Pleasant. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey man, thanks Welcome. for being here. Let's make you bigger. There we go. So man, how's Alaska today? I know we had a little small talk before, but uh, tell the people at home how's uh, how's things in Kodiak today. <laughs> Four inches of rain so far today, and it's uh, still pouring. So it's a good day to be on the computer hanging with you guys. Well, we are glad you made some time for us, and uh, happy to have you. It looks a little darker there. It looks about as dark back there at, at your back window as it does here. Is it uh, what season are you guys in as far as daylight? How many hours are you guys getting right now? Uh, daylight's not bad. Um, you're just seeing the darkness of storm clouds. That's just <laughs> yeah. literally blocking the light today. But um, no, it's getting dark at like 7 30, 8 p.m. right now. Not bad. Okay. Oh, yeah, about, about, the, like about the same as here. Yeah. yeah. Last time we were up there in 20. 16 we were right there at the end of june beginning of july and it was you know never really got dark just stayed kind of twilight and that was that was a wild yeah. feeling it's nice i love <laughs> yeah, it yeah it's cool pretty cool so uh you've kind of you've kind of been a budding outdoorsman you've been uh you've been with us at jackson kayak orion coolers for quite a while but uh let's uh let's kind of get into where'd your passion for the outdoors really get going and how did you how'd you get here yeah, I grew up hunting and fishing. Um, you know, my dad uh, showed me the ropes a bit, but, you know, you guys in in the lower 48 and especially in the Midwest and South, there's there's hunting and then there's hunting. And so I I yep. did road hunting uh, with my dad when I was a kid and, and I still like seeing stuff. And then at a pretty early age, I thought, I'm going to hike out into it. I'm going to check it out for myself. And We'd uh, fish from a boat for salmon and at a pretty young age. Uh, actually, my first kayak was a kayak we found adrift at sea called the Coast oh, wow. Guard. Made sure it wasn't, you know, a missing person's kayak. It wasn't. So I got my first kayak. And um, between just backpacking into the woods solo and, and kayaking, for me, it's, it's a spiritual experience. It's something that brings me peace, brings me joy. Um, and for the lifestyle that I live, it's how I eat. Um, and so, you know, it's pretty integrated for me. So yeah, just at a, at a pretty young age, learning to get away from the crowds, get away from the noise, um, and, and make it, you know, several things at once. That's, that's kind of how I live my life. Very cool. So uh, did you, did you grow up up there? Um, so grew up in Northern Washington in the summers, mm -hmm. we went up to Alaska um, but didn't get to move up to Alaska until a few years ago. Okay. So, I mean, you've been, you've been all over. How did, uh, what made you decide that Alaska was, was that place? Oh, since I was a little kid, I, I knew I wanted to be here. Um, since I got to spend time up here, my dad and I fished the Kenai river in the nineties, um, back when King fishing was still pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, he, he caught a 72 pound King. I caught a 62 pound King. Um, you know, there's, there's just a special aspect to a place that still has frontier to it. Um, mm -hmm. Southeast Alaska where I visited often, um, and then got to move, uh, my first city I lived in was Juneau. Um, you go 20 miles past uh, a city and there's no people. You go another right. 30 miles in, and especially if you start climbing up, I mean, animals will will encounter you, and they've never seen a person before. And right. there's not many places like that on Earth left, so no. it's, it's pretty special. No, definitely not. Um, 
so kind of like, I mean, you're on all these adventures. I mean, you've been, you've kayaked in New Zealand. We've seen, um, you've, I mean, obviously you're kayaking up there. I mean, what are some of the differences, you know, kayaking out in these vast open areas that, you know, people like me, we're just, we're out here playing on the small ponds and the lakes. Um, I mean, what are some of the differences that that's like? I mean, obviously you're not a bassin guy because nobody <laughs> wants no bass up there in Alaska. That's a, that's a cardinal sin up there. I believe we throw them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We do too. We just take pictures first. Yeah. There's sea bass. Um, you know, I've, I've caught some 35 pound sea bass, but their, their meat to body ratio is ridiculous. They're, they're, you know, got these big old monster heads and little tiny fillets on them. So you got to get a really big one. And when they get that big, they're 30 year old fish. So you feel kind of bad taking them off their shoals. So now nah, yeah. the, the salmon replenish themselves, the, the best halibut fishing in the world's right here. So, right. They eat pretty dang good. I'll eat salmon and halibut every day. Oh, no, I'll, the, in, the salmon and halibut I had while we were in Alaska was by far some of the, well, it was the best I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it is mildly hilarious watching folks uh, get real excited about, you know, four pound largemouth bass. But you, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you do what you can where you live. Um, I lived in Arkansas for a bit. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I traveled in the summers and worked in. Uh, Central America and, and the rest of the year, I was primarily in Arkansas for a stretch teaching in the university and, uh, you know, that you, you have fun with what's there. Um, and, and there's a lot of beauty to that. But once you start getting into hundred pound fish that tow you around like a sleigh ride and, and are, you know, 90% meat on them, it's hard mm -hmm. to go back to anything else. So I, I, I don't know that I'll be, uh, going, going to anything else for the rest of my days, but yeah, there's, it's, it's night and day difference. Um, you know, as far as kayaking itself, you know, we use kayaking as, as really a safety and, and survival tool. It's our ship to shore. Um, mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of cases you got to put your boat out into deeper water and your kayak is what gets you back and forth. Um, we do a lot of floating. Um, my favorite kind of hunting, I let the river do the work for me. So I, I get my game and then I float down the river with it. Um, and so, if you, if you have a kayak with you that much better, uh, oftentimes I get into places where I can't even take a, you know, a full body kayak with me. So I'm just floating down in waders, you know, just kind of right. scooting along with my game. But, um, you know, in terms of, of getting out and, and rough water, that kind of thing, um, you know, in Alaska that you are not the biggest, scariest thing. You are absolutely at the mercy of the elements around you. And there's a humility that comes with that. And it changes you. You know, people that recognize that and live with that humility, it changes your worldview on life. Um, you know, when you when you live in a suburb that's next to, you know, shopping centers and strip malls, it's it's sometimes easy to believe that you breeze that we're the biggest thing there is. And and we're just right. not. And I love I love that element at the same time. Um, it's dangerous. Um, last mm -hmm. trip that we went on, um, I got a, a, a good uh, center console aluminum boat, paid a bunch of money for it. I uh, found out that um, the gentleman that had it before me failed to put just a little bit of liner uh, under the floorboards where oh. your uh, power harness goes from your center console to your outboard. Mm -hmm. Without that little bit of liner, it was rubbing 
on an aluminum edge every time that you turn the motor. Oh. And eventually, if it's rubbing on that aluminum edge, yep. it's going to split. And uh, I've, I've got to give full credit and grace to my wife. Um, we were out and we were in probably 14 foot seas. And the dang thing just kept start stopping. And I'm going, oh, wow. Well, it must be that the battery just wasn't charged up because we had gone, you know, two, two, two and a half weeks without taking it out. And sometimes mm -hmm. the battery is a little run to get going. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was the stupid harness. And I had not pulled the floorboards up on it. Fairly new boat to us. And, uh, you know, we, we were in a dangerous spot, um, you know, and that all it takes is something as simple as that is some cable rubbing and, and all of a sudden you got a short. And so, you know, let, let alone, you know, getting into a smaller vessel, et cetera. Um, we're on the big ocean in, in Kodiak. So when a right. storm gets going, um, we, we actually just had a typhoon come through, um, you know, 40 foot seas is, is a real thing up here. Um, you know, my prayers and, and thoughts go out to the folks in Florida that just got whacked by a storm. Um, we got whacked by a storm just as powerful. It's just Alaskans are, we face storms differently and you don't hear about it as much and there's not as many people, um, but right, right. we get some big storms. Um, you'll see funny memes if you search the internet comparing the size of Florida storms versus <laughs> Alaska storms. You know, you got the Florida storm and then you got the Alaska storm. So, right, uh, right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, weather, tide, bears, they, they dominate how we have to operate. Um, I'm not in control. I've got my tide book. I get that memorized. I look at my marine forecast. I have that memorized. I learn the bears in an area and I memorize them. And that's how I shape a trip. Um, you can't really go against those three factors up here. Those three factors are going to dominate how you operate. So, I mean, obviously in Alaska, you've got windows. Um, obviously you've got a window where you're out gathering and preparing for winter. There's a lot of that that goes on in Alaska. There's a lot of preparing from the time it gets warm to the time it gets cold again. What's um, what's the look like, you know, from your winter window, getting yourself ready to to head out in the spring? I mean, what are some of the things that you do to stay in tune during the winter to be pumped up and ready to go the second spring hits? Well, I'm I'm a kind of guy that I'd rather show you than tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Here. that's my 15 year old dog <clears throat> and this is the hearth it's october and the hearth is full right if you don't fill it up with firewood <laughs> you're you're not going to make it the the lifestyle up here is just physical i mean just yeah. basic things like keeping your house warm you got to be in shape man you know i guess i could go buy fancy splitter but um, right. you know, where's, where's the fun in that <laughs> <laughs> right right but um you know just right down to you know go go in and picking berries well they like to be on hillsides that get sun hillsides that get sun are pretty steep it's got to be real steep for trees not to grow so yeah even berry picking is a workout right um but yeah i mean it's just everything that i'm doing is physical um and then you know you you're really hitting it hard i always find myself before a storm comes in and we've got a three door three day storm right now that started last night um I mean, I'm just racing and, mm. and you just push and, you know, I can do that to my detriment. I, I sometimes push too hard um, and I'm I'm learning to find time to slow down and, and smell the roses. But it's an Alaskan thing, man. You, you know, while there's daylight and while you can move, I mean, you hit it hard and that's kind of a way of life up here. But there's a balance in it. And, 
Um, you know, there's there's definitely a, a beautiful rhythm in taking what nature gives you. Um, we have five runs of salmon. When each of the runs of salmon are going, you know, you, you figure out when the apex of that run is and you go and get your fish and you don't worry about chasing, you know, the back end or the front end of a run if you can help right. it, right? You just mm-hmm. get them when they're right there. Um, when deer are, are rutting, you know, you go after them, they'll talk right back to you and, and come running after you. I've been, had bucks chase me down and it's, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's a lot of fun, but, um, you know, there's a time to do it when it's just really streamlined. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a rhythm that kind of helps with things too. So you're not necessarily always going upstream, but most everything's a lot of work. I mean, all the best hunting and fishing that I engage in, I'm going where people don't go and to go where people don't go, you got to do what other people aren't willing to do. <laughs> and so oh, it's, just, it's just yep. work. It's, it's a lot of hard work. Um, and there's experience and knowledge that goes in it too. And then you, you know, you're around it enough and you start to perceive and sense the elements more like the animals do. They're, they're way better than, than I am for sure. But you start to see things, you know, through their eyes, you know, it's, I always find that about a day and a half, two days into a trip, my sense of smell is totally different. I'm all of a sudden taking in things that, that I don't when I'm in town. And so there's a, there's a lot of that that comes into it and just allowing your senses to be heightened, that kind of thing. Now, what are some of the longer hunts that you that you'll do? Goat hunts tend to be longer because you got to get up and into where they're at and then getting back out can be pretty tough. I'm going to I'm going to shy away from double mountain crossings uh, going forward. My goat last year, we ended up uh, crossing two mountain ranges kind wow. of down twice. And that's a lot harder when the pack is full. So. <laughs> yeah, that's and a good so, problem, though. Yeah, yeah. And those those mountain goats aren't skinny either. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Big Billy's four hundred pounds. So yeah, um, yeah. Going going straight down is definitely the way to do it if if I can help it. So yeah, we're gonna try and do that this winter. They're about they're about furred up now, so it's about time. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one I hope to experience. In, I'm drawing points in Colorado. I don't know if I'll ever draw that tag, but that's one I hope to draw eventually. Yeah. Now, as far as uh, far as coming back to the states, any and and work with work and different things like that, do you ever travel back to the states to do any hunting and fishing, or do you just primarily I'm I'm here now and this is this is the deal? It doesn't get any better than up here. So as far as hunting and fishing goes, no, that's it's Alaska for me. But um, in terms of work, I'm I'm I, travel to the west coast i'm uh, currently responsible for the state of oregon uh, for my day job in addition to alaska so get to do a little bit of travel you know coming down to the lower 48 meetings in seattle that kind of thing um i have family in the seattle area so um so i'll do a little bit of travel it's nice to break up the winter monotony sometimes too. go see i can imagine remember remember what it's like to to go to a costco or something like that (laughs) yeah yeah now town of kodiak how about how big is that area you mean number of people yeah people wise it's it's listed as five thousand people largest coast guard base in the world's here um so you've got a ton of coasties um you got a pretty robust tourist season that goes may to september so you know all told that that can boost up to you know 13 14 15 in the high months but Mm -hmm. winter time it it gets a little quiet yeah i've got a i can imagine 
a friend up there right now. He flew into Kodiak. You're, they're doing a caribou and blacktail this week. So, uh, reindeer. That goes. reindeer. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Reindeer, yeah. Reindeer and blacktail. It's weird that they dropped reindeer off on the south part of the island and they kind of scoot around down there. But yeah, they're they're out there. Yeah, that'll be interesting to hear his his story when he gets back. I hope he was working on his leg day before that hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. So, any uh, any reindeer action for you, or you do you go that far? You just got an area where you'd like to go, or you chasing mainly the goats? Is that your thing? Uh, I went caribou hunting uh, last fall. Went to Adak. Adak's further out in the Aleutians. So, when you hear mm-hmm. jokes about people seeing Russia, you're a little bit closer to being able to see Russia from there. Right. Um, but they're they're proper caribou out there, so a bit quite a bit bigger. Um, right. Um, and so, yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, you, there, there, there aren't animals that move like they do. They're, they're not spooking and running and yet you're going as fast as you can to catch up to where they're going to pop out at the next draw. And I mean, that they just move, they just Um, move and move constantly. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the, um, um, reindeer, you know, it's, you can get a tag for them and, and go after them, but they move enough that it's a little bit different than, um, you know, a lot of your hunting that you do for other animals where you can learn an area and, and somewhat predict that they're going to be there. Um, and they're, they're not native um, to here. And so they, their movements and everything, they're probably fair to say they're still figuring things out just the same way we are. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping to uh, get a flying caribou hunt booked. I don't know if we'll get it in next year or not, but if not next year, the, the fall after that should be fun. Yeah. Now, um, so for hunting and different things, do you pretty much just stay on the island or do you ever cross back over into the big, the big part of the state? Yeah. Juno's on the mainland. And so right. I'll, I'll spend a fair amount of time there. And, um, there's an island, uh, just off of Juno called Admiralty Island. Um, the Clinket name for Admiralty is Kutsnuwu, which means fortress of the bears, highest density brown bear population in the world. Um, I love that place. Um. I've got a little boat stashed over there and when I get the chance, go back and, and enjoy Admiralty as well. But yeah, I'm kind of split my time between Kodiak and Juno. Very nice. Yeah, it does break it up a little bit, especially, you know, when you're on an island. I mean, you're just on an island out in the middle of the <laughs> Pacific. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Juno is a part of the mainland, but uh, the way the mountains uh, range and the ice field is shaped, there's no road going in and out. So it's just the same as living on an island there. So it's pretty well living two two island type situations. Although yeah. Juno has a Costco. Juno doesn't have a Walmart. Kodiak <laughs> has a Walmart. When I need to go get some popcorn or something, I'll stop in there. Get get my dollar fifty hot dog and call it a day. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure, you know, a hot dog every now and then ain't too bad. Do you ever I mean, you know, come on ballpark they plump when you cook them i can't tell you the last time i ate a hot dog (laughs) you need to have better fourth of july zach (laughs) well up until this year i had elk steak in the freezer so fourth july i was grilling elk steak (laughs) but uh the uh you mentioned the the brown bears have you had a brown bear tag since you've been up there i've been bluff charged a few times um it's known scientifically that they 
they can sense and they can smell what's going on, you know, with your pheromones and what's going on with you. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm confident in doing what I'm doing. Um, I try to stay humble and I try to stay on top of things, which can be stressful because I'm taking in, you know, 12, 15 things at the same time to make sure I'm on point, especially mm-hmm. running on the water, dealing with weather, tides, etc. Um, but I believe that operating with confidence, um, knowing their behavior, um, knowing how they operate, um, that's the number one thing you can do to keep yourself safe. Um, a gentleman came out with a, a group that I hunted with a couple years ago, and he was a little bit um, rambunctious as far as the bears went, kind of riled up. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a half Boykin Spaniel, half chocolate lab, and she gets these blonde tips on her fur and she's got a dark brown coat. And he kept mentioning like, <laughs> I hope she doesn't startle me. I hope I don't shoot her. I'm like, uh, these bears are eight feet tall to, you know, nine yeah. feet tall. If you confuse my 65 pound dog, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't share that in jest, but he, you know, he was a little jumpy and sure right. enough, I'll charged him. Um, and she would have taken him out. And so, um, that, that sow had to be put down cause it was, it was her, or him. Um, right. I've, I've never been in that situation. And, um, you know, I think there's definitely, you can be in the wrong time at the wrong place with, with bad timing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, I think if you can really watch what you're doing for the most part, you can keep yourself, you know, fairly safe. Um, but crazy stuff does happen. And, uh, I'm, I'm here to vouch for, for Orion coolers and that, Sometimes you need a cooler that's bear proof because you forget to <laughs> do everything that you should to keep your your coolers locked tight and you need something that the bear can whack at and not destroy. So yeah. <laughs> now the uh I have met go ahead. Real quick here, while I've got everything pulled up, I am going to share screen and we're gonna show the bear video. Show the bear video. We're gonna show the bear video and I'll let you walk us through it. You can Go ahead and talk. I'm going to let's see if I can actually figure this out. Uh, share screen. Present screen. There we go. Entire screen. Come on. Share audio. No. Well, there. Click on it. All right. There we go. Look at us. Fancy. Let's walk. Uh, fancy. All right, Josiah, I'm going to let you walk us through what's kind of happening here. Yeah, it's a juvenile bear figuring out his way in the world, and he's sussing me out. You can see him kind of <laughs> pounding the ground and prancing a little bit. He's just checking me out. But you can tell I'm, I'm standing my ground. I'm not moving. Um, and my dog, my, my bear dog, is at my feet, and she's, she's ready to, to get in the mix if she has to, but... You can see him. He's he's a cute little bear. And you can also see that there's salmon in the stream. So he's also checking his salmon out. So Man, they are cool critters, that's for sure. Yep. Yep. They're pretty smart. Oh, I, <clears throat> I met a guy up there. I've seen a lot of his stuff on social, um, but I met him a few years ago at ATA. Cole Kramer, I don't know if you've heard the name or know him, but he he guides brown bears up there in Kodiak. Um, yeah. And they, man, they get into some 
giants up there where they're hunting. Yeah, there's ten and a half foot bears up here. They're the biggest in the world. So there's mm-hmm. there's some good boys. Now they're a direct dis- they're related to the polar bear in that area, right? I mean, there's just lineage, right? So lineage. you go back far enough and there was a, a split, but your Admiralty bears, um, your Kodiak bears, you know, there's just closer linkage, but they're they're still pretty, plenty brown um, and they yeah. still have brown bear habits. But right. some of that size and just, you know, proximity to, to big ocean, I think they're, they're uh, what would you say, their break apart from that polar bear line was more recent than other bears. So Right. Right. Now, do you get into any polar bears up there? No, no. You got to go all the way up, uh, you know, kind of on the north rim uh, of mm-hmm. the Arctic Ocean. So they're they're in Alaska, but the parts of Alaska that they hang out in, unless you're working on an oil rig, you're not likely to run into them. Got it. Well, that ain't too bad. No, I think uh, I think you've probably been closer to a bear than I've ever wanted to be. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been real close to a black bear. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if the black bear bothers me as much as a brown bear. They don't me. But. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm laying on a six eight cinnamon right here. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. So let's, we had uh, a, we had a little black bear in Colorado one night. Just sleep all night right up against our tent, right against the foot of the tent. Oh wow! <laughs> he, he woke us up in the morning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he was. He was pretty small, a pretty small juvenile, probably 125 pounds or so, probably not long weaned off mom. And I think he saw the big round dome tent and just made him feel comfortable, you know? <laughs> yeah. The question is, did he snore or did you snore? We didn't know he was there until we started kind of kick around in the morning, you know, kind of starting to wake up a little bit. And then something all of a sudden just hit the bottom of our tent. We thought somebody had walked up and kicked our tent. Until we unzipped the doors and saw him take off. <laughs> Jeez. He was trying to tell you his favorite mountain house. Yeah, well, he could have came in and just kept us warm all night. Would have been, you know, I mean, at least courteous. But Now, let's uh, so you've got a little bit of a story with the Orion Cooler and a, and a pretty good testimony. Um, I'm going to kind of let you walk everybody through that and kind of tell us what happened with that. Yeah, you know, the, the Orion coolers, they've got those nice rubber rubber locks on the front. Um, puts a pretty good seal on the cooler. Um, you know, a lot of guys up here use Yeti coolers. Little little side note, and this is this is how much I, I enjoy the Orion coolers. Um, 107 shipping containers holding Yeti coolers uh, went, up, <laughs> went up to sea off of the coast of Washington, off the Olympic Peninsula, and they're washing up up here. And uh, oh, wow. guys are finding them. And I'm kind of like, well... I like Orion coolers. I don't have to scout that hard for a Yeti cooler. <laughs> but, um, you know, having your, your higher-end cooler that's got that good rubber seal, good good lock on it, man, it's important. Um, my issue um, on this uh, trip that we're talking about, uh, Orion, the, the biggest cooler that we're making is an 85, and I need to get myself an 85, and I'm going to be doing that here pretty soon. But um, I, I just have a 35 right now, mm-hmm. and... I used a, a 162 liter um, igloo cooler, big enough that I can pretty well put you know all my quarters in it, and not need to worry about finagling space and keep everything right. real cold. Lots of lots of ice water bottles, that kind of thing. And so I've always brought that. And the spot that I went to, I I hadn't scouted and spent time in. Still, there's I mean I could spend the rest of my life learning country here. 
And when you go to a new area, you don't know how the bears operate. And so I take my dogs um, and they, they kind of manage camp and, and they've done a fantastic job of that. Never had an issue. Um, dozens of times I'll come back and there's bear tracks circling within a 40, 50 yard periphery of the camp, but they don't come into it because believe it or not, these big old brown bears, they don't want to tangle with a dog. Um, and, and a lot of that's the training with the dog and working with the dog so that they can show the proper aggression at the proper time, be in defensive of your camp. But it's life or death for us. If a bear tears up an outboard, if a bear tears up your kayak, you're not right. getting home. Um, you're right. stranded. Um, and you know, I, I carry an in reach, but who are you going to call <laughs> right. to um, get you out of some of these places? And so keeping your, your camp intact is essential. Um, and so this new area decided to, to leave the dogs because I didn't know how aggressive the bears were. Didn't want to step into a situation that was pretty hairy and it was an Alpine hunt. So I knew that, you know, I may be gone up in the Alpine for two, three, four days. And if mm -hmm. that's the case, that's a long time for the dog to, to go off of just, you know, a bowl of food and a bowl of water. And um, so I uh, had the 162 um, set up, just sleeping gear, you know, extra backup gear, you know, safety stuff, and then, you know, other things in the Orion. But I did have some food in, in the 162, um, and it, they just don't have the seal like an Orion does. Right. And so inevitably, I'm sure they're, you know, to a bear's nose, there was a scent of food there, and, and that's definitely on me. Um, but you kind of get spoiled, you know, using using an Orion that you can put stuff in it. and You, you don't have to worry about it as much. Um, I've right. had bears flip my Orion end over end, it ending up 20, 30 yards from where I had it. And it's fine. Didn't release anything. You know, maybe they scuffed up the, the foam pad on the top, but that's about it in terms of damage. I came back in my 162. After this alpine hunt, which I, I did get a, a Boone and Crockett blacktail, so it was a sweet hunt. But um, the 162 was disassembled. I mean, <laughs> one, two pieces all wow. over the beach. I mean, it was a yard sale. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm walking through, picking stuff up, collecting stuff. Um, Orion was fine. Not, not worse for where it didn't even mess with it. Probably huh. because the the seal on it. I mean, it does create a vacuum when you close it, yeah, right? It does. I yeah. don't think there. I don't think the bear could smell anything in it. And uh, so other than getting Orion to, you know, let's start making, you know, 160, 165 liter coolers. I'll I'm just going to have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's have a lot of requests for the big cooler. There, There is some right? requests for the big cooler. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully one day we can get that done. And I think it'd go over pretty well for the, uh, for the outdoors community to have a cooler that size. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're in the West, um, and if you're getting out in the back country, I mean, you need it. And then for boats too, I mean, it's just a game changer. I yeah. just use big coolers on my boat for everything and it's, it's the way to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start running a couple of 85s now. Um, now that I've had this happen, I've, I've gone, I think six years, I'm really, really getting after it in Alaska and, you know, another couple of decades visiting and in, in the summers you know off and on and never had an issue like that and once you have all your stuff torn up it's enough to say okay worth the investment from now on well but, your, um, your gear yeah. your gear's valuable there i mean it's it's twice yeah. as valuable as what it would be here oh yeah and you got to have backups of everything I mean, we say yeah. two is one one is none one is so none. yeah that 
that cooler had my backups of things that had to get going. I think the the bear chewed up a, a my dog's backpack because I I keep a bunch of essentials in the dog backpack. So even though she didn't get to make the trip, her backpack did. And uh, you know, even just the scent of you know whatever scent had been on my dog from the last hunt, the bear ate the freaking backpack. Oh, wow. uh, you know, tore up a bunch of stuff. I will say it was pretty interesting. The bear did not eat all the mountain house packs. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe. <laughs> Didn't want to mess with them, but yeah, after you know, after an experience like that, I mean, I, anybody who's asking, you know, go ahead and and go with with a cooler that's going to be locked tight, keep that scent down, and also be in such a way that when they're getting those six inch claws, that they can't just rip it straight open. Um, you know, yeah. and this the the cooler that got torn up it was no slouch i mean this is sturdy cooler but it's not not built to the standards of an orion and it bit the dust i'm going to try and epoxy it up just because i need a uh, um as many coolers as i can running trips and it's nice when you got a rotation of coolers that are stinky and need washed and freshies <laughs> that are ready to go so i'll yeah. try to resurrect it as a frankenstein cooler just to have the story on it but um yeah got to get me some some 85s up here the trip. Yeah. The trouble is the airlines want to charge me extra because it doesn't uh, fit the the size of the airline uh, regular luggage. So they want to charge me oversized <laughs> for it. But... They don't want to pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's what it amounts uh, to. They're right. so heavy. They don't want to pick them up. Well, so uh, they weigh forty two pounds, so I can still put eight pounds of gear in it and be underweight. But yeah, um, uh, the issue is the dimensions. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's... The air the airlines like to be finicky like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had some trouble getting some stuff shipped back uh with your elk, didn't you? Uh it was getting there. Getting there, they lost my uh my bow case and my suitcase full of gear. But yeah. yeah. That's flying right now, period. I think uh when Kim went out to DC, she lost well, they lost her luggage and her flight got canceled. So she, they lost her luggage and she never even left the airport. So that was fun. Oh my word. So any any travel people out there, we're sorry. We said it. It is what it is. Yeah. Um but yeah, the the flush the flush mount latches on the Orion coolers, um, for people that don't haven't been around one, the latches are, are definitely flush where most the latches on most of your coolers set off of the cooler, and it's just an easy place, like Josiah said, it's an easy place for a bear to get its claw in and, and actually pull the latch okay. off and, and yeah. rip it out. And that's one of the things that makes the Orion grizzly bear proof. And it's just awesome to have a big, bad rotor molded cooler. Your friends will think highly of you if you buy one. <laughs> Visit us at jacksonkayak.com for all your Orion coolers. We just dropped the prices. I needed to do that. I forgot to do that at the start of the show. You got to pay the bills. You got to pay the bills. 15% off sale at jacksonkayak.com too. Yeah. Find your local dealer. So anyway... What's the, uh, so what's the, uh, what's the winter look like? I mean, do you guys get iced in or you pretty much open water all the time? Not ice is over in the bays. Um, yeah, I mean, it, every, every fall is variable. I mean, so far, I think this is our third massive storm that we've had coming through, one of them being a typhoon. Um, and so any of your hunting and fishing, you're just working around those storms. The cold isn't really the issue yet. You know, it's in the 40s because we're, you know, we're surrounded by the Pacific Ocean. So it keeps it pretty temperate here. Juno's pretty close to the same, except Juno has 200 miles of glaciers behind it. So it gets cold once you get up in the mountains there. 
Right. But yeah, I mean, if, if we get uh, uh, a mild fall, a mild early start to winter, you know, we can get all the way to Thanksgiving and it hasn't gotten super cold yet. So we can kind of keep getting after it. Um, the halibut eat the salmon. We're in our last run of salmon now, which are our coho, mm -hmm. our silver salmon. And so they're, I'd say they're middle run on a lot of the rivers right now. So I've got another two weeks to chase them. And as long as they're around, halibut are still chasing salmon. So the halibut will sit in the estuaries and they will eat salmon whole. So I'll be That's chasing halibut wild. for another week or two. That's um, wild. Then the, then the salmon turn off and then the bears start kind of figuring out if they're going to try to rest a bit. Some of them stay restless and stay awake. Um, so, so, you know, bears don't go uh, full hibernation. They go into torpor. So they mm -hmm. slow their heart rate down. They slow their metabolism down. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the best description for our audience would be they go into full Netflix and chill mode. They right. just want to <laughs> really take it easy, relax. Find a nice snuggly cave, hang out with their buddy and, and take it in. But you get hungry bears that get after it all the time. And that's when you get the really dangerous bears, um, right. bears that are they just didn't find the food when the food was to be had. And so then they're really making poor decisions. Um, so it's sad. Um, you know, our salmon runs are, are not what they were um, just offshore trawling um, and international waters, the ocean warming up. Um, you know, Kodiak doesn't have uh, many issues at all with its rivers. Our rivers are pretty much intact, um, but salmon runs are just not what they were. And so the bears are trying to find food some way, somehow. Um, so, you know, their their numbers are down in some areas or they switch, you know, their eating habits. Um, salmon are down enough in, in some areas that the bears are hitting berries when they should be hitting salmon. And you got right. all sorts of of uh, spawned out dead salmon in a river and the bears are on the hill e eating berries because they've just kind of given up on some of the runs. It's, it's interesting. Um, but you know, you just have to manage, manage that and, and what that looks like, but pretty well when the bears start going into torpor, that's, that's your cue that winter's on. So not, another couple weeks here. Um, and then it, it'll settle in. Now you brought up the salmon runs, and that is actually something that I wanted to ask you. Listening to the April Vokey podcast and, and several different ones, I've definitely heard about, you know, the salmon decline and different things. Is there any type of conservation going into that to try to alleviate that stress and, and help them come back or not much they can do? Yeah, it'd be your legislation. So, you know, just how how you manage your waters commercially. Um, so we, we have direct ownership over that um, is voters, you know, you know, get in touch with, um, you know, whatever entity that, that you can within the areas where there are fish and there's quite a lot we can still manage. Our sport fishing is just, you know, it's such a small slice of the pie. It's mm -hmm. not that it's inconsequential, but you're talking a drop in the bucket. So be responsible. You know, if, if you're going to go out and fish, you know, best practices, don't uh, kill anything that you're not going to eat um, and, and just be mindful that those fish represent the next generation. But in terms of what folks can do, I mean, it's legislation on commercial fisheries and it's legislation on how we really engage the international waters conversation. Um, there's trawlers coming from Asia that they, they peel every living organism uh, off the ocean. I mean, everything doesn't matter what it is, juvenile fish, you know, sea mammals, you name it, it's, it's going in and that's, what's done it. 
Um, and so yeah. there's not a whole lot we can do there. The idea of the ocean, you know, becoming more acidic or, or warming, that's that's a pretty hard tide to turn. You know, there's individual personal choices you can make on a daily basis to live a cleaner, more sustainable life. Um, and I, I choose to do that. Um, obviously, that's a hot topic conversation for a lot of people, but I take it as a personal choice to do the best that I can with what I have. But um, yeah, I'd say legislation is is the best bet um, in places that don't have their rivers dammed up. If you have a dam on your river, you got to take the dam out because that's right. You know, not to not to be too crass about it, but the the salmon are not going to make babies if there's a dam. It's over. I mean, complete game over. Um, not too far from where I got to salmon fish all the time upstream. There's a a river called the Elwha, and it was 20 years of legislation, tribes, sport fishermen fighting and fighting, and finally got the two dams off of the Elwha River. And the salmon are coming back. Uh, steelhead are exploding because they took the dam off. Alaska is different because, uh, you know, it's the last frontier. We haven't screwed it right. up quite as much because we haven't been here as long. Um, right. You know, Russia owned it uh, before we did. And the Russians just tried to peel, you know, all the fur bearing mammals off. They didn't do a whole lot else. They were just here to collect pelts. So in terms of Alaska, you know, it's it's not as messed up because we, ha- we haven't been here as long. Some of the, uh, you know, uh, an Alaskan's called a sourdough. You've earned your sourdough when you've lived through at least one hard winter. You know, a lot of times it takes several, then you're really a sourdough. But the the old timers, the sourdoughs say that we're basically 30, 40 years different than what Washington and Oregon look like, that it'll be about the same. And, you know, that that uh, has rung true for B.C. I used to fish in British Columbia. You can't you won't catch me going down there for anything anymore. Their runs are toast. I mean, totally toast. So um, what happened in in Washington state in the 90s with the salmon run collapse there, BC's experienced it. And now areas of Alaska are starting to face it, too. So, you know, unless folks make uh, large scale changes with how we manage our our resources, it's going to head that direction. You're going to have these, you know, last bits of the frontier that stay on probably at least for my lifetime, but are still pretty nice. And they're only nice because it takes moving heaven and earth to get there. And those right. are the last places that are going to be nice. Um, but everything's kind of heading that way. Now, as far as um, the water's warming and stuff like that, I mean, as a resident living there for the past few years, I mean, is that something that um, that you're seeing? So our, our uh, you know, inland waters are significantly impacted by rivers coming off the mountains. Mm-hmm. So that really maintains a far more constant temperature than open ocean. Mm-hmm. Salmon's life cycles is predominantly at sea. And when I say at sea, hundreds of miles out to sea. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's that's very different than just the local waters that I'm fishing close in that are really replenished if they're getting warm by cold right. water coming off the mountains through the rivers. So right. when, when you talk about your ocean acidification, you know, that they, they've got the North Pacific blob. That's not right in close to the shore, right? That's way out at sea. There's not a whole lot we can do to change that other than, you know, if billions of people decide I'm going to do a better job of being a steward of the resources that I have. And right. you know, that's a tall order, but, you know, it starts with me. And so that's all I can manage as far as that goes. Yeah, that's you know it does it starts with one and i think you know any advice and being an advocate for that is is always a good thing for any type of people especially 
you know, when it's coming from somebody that's seeing things and seeing the impacts firsthand as, as far as being there. And like you said, BC, Washington, I mean, any podcast that you listen to, the, any fly fishing podcast, they're going to talk about that as far as the uh, the decline in the fishing in those areas. It's, it's a pretty tough thing when you look at it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, I think one of the most important things and you're starting to see this more and more is our purchasing habits. And I truly believe this, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to get a, an 85 or two from Orion. Those would be coolers that I pass on to my kids, man. Um, And making decisions about gear that I don't go and replace every two and two to three years that ends up in a landfill, right? That, that nice 162 that just got torn up. I'm not even taking that to the landfill because I'm not a guy that wastes anything. But um, that was not necessarily a cooler that was going to be passed down to grandkids kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, a good, a good Orion, if you take care of it, you know, don't don't drop it off the truck going down the road, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I think if we make good choices with, with our purchasing, we need so much less than we think we need. Um, and so making choices that, you know, just regenerating what we do, I mean my my trash bags don't have much trash in them because i compost everything i can and recycle what i can't compost and then you know running my wood stove and and fire pit and that kind of thing any good paper trash that i can burn it goes into that right and so i don't have a lot of trash well if everybody collectively decided to do that it makes a big difference but our our consumer habits are huge with what we can do to to make a positive impact and the way we think about food, um, you know, I, I view f- food as life. It really is life. Most everything, you know, I'm, I'm eating a, a coho salmon right now. <laughs> excuse, my, <laughs> excuse my dinner, but um, that was a life that I took and that's precious. Um, you know, I, I, I do uh, try to target um, bucks mostly um, mm-hmm. because it, it only takes a couple of bucks to fertilize a, a thousand hens. And so. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm making some pretty conscious choices with my food, but I don't take it lightly. And there's a lot of beauty in that. Um, you know, it's just the value that goes into it. And, you know, I'm probably a fairly healthy individual eating mostly salmon and halibut and venison and mountain. Oh, goat, I guarantee but, it, man. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm living a life where to waste would be sacrilegious. You know, it, it would be wrong. Yeah to yeah. waste any of this. Cause the, I know the time and effort and value that went into it. So I, I don't waste a thing. I mean, I'm, I'm now guilty of, of hauling my, my meat thousands of miles, you know, putting, putting so much money into it because of yeah. the value that I place on the lives that, that go into my plate. And so there's, there's a lot that I think is, is said for that folks that understand the value of, of what it took uh, to, you know, to put into what they have. So, yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, those, you know, go ahead, Zach. Those meals and your connection to them, I mean, they just mean so much more and even sometimes taste just different when you, you're the one that's put your hands on it from the time that animal was still breathing on the hoof yeah. to the time it hit your plate, you know, for, yep. for a meal with you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm more Cherokee than anything else. And I think there's inherently, you know, something to me that makes me think, all right, I'm eating something that knew how to climb mountains real good. I'm gonna get ready for a mountain hunt. You know, I, I'm eating <laughs> something that, you know, has excellent vision, excellent hearing. You know, going in, that's that's a part of me now. And you know, there's a lot of of thinking and belief that goes into that. And 
I don't know that that's necessarily wrong thinking, but scientifically, I know it's good for me. So it can't I, I hurt. Right? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best quality meats that you're going to find. I mean, it's not yeah. been influenced in any any way, shape, or form by us as people. You know, I so we say that, and then I'll, I'll nah. throw this out. So I this this big old buck that I got, um, and he's a monster. I mean, just biggest blacktail I've ever seen. Um, when I walked up to him, um, he, you know, you guys have heard of ground shrinkage. I mean, this guy oh, yeah. kept getting bigger. He grew, and bigger huh? And, bigger. <laughs> and I go to turn him over because a uh, sow and cubs had been wandering below me in in the valley, and I wanted to hurry up and get moving. Um, my wife was actually taking video on the mountain up, up above me because I had to skirt around an entire mountain to, to head him up to get the wind right. Um, you just got to play the wind with everything. And so she was laughing at how much I ran to get him, but it worked. When I turned him over, he had a testicle this big. Oh, and, wow. And I, got, I got big hands. I mean, he, his <laughs> testicle was huge. And I'm going, what is going on here? Yeah. And he, uh, he was in velvet. So he had a cactus coming off his velvet. I don't know if yeah. you ever heard of the yeah. cactus buck, but oh, yeah. just uh, an overabundance of testosterone. I mean, just, you know, the, all the pills that these companies are selling, they need what this guy had. <laughs> he, was, he was after it. And she was laughing. She's like, well, maybe that's why you didn't see that many bucks because he was servicing every doe within 100 miles. Here. <laughs> but, uh, I, I looked it up and um, it, it is a thing that's occurred because um, I was kind of wanting to make sure, wow, did this guy have something crazy going on? I'm getting ready to eat him. Um, yeah. And uh, it's also something associated with um, just some sort of chemical uh, attachment to kelp that washes on the beach. And in the wintertime, our deal, we call them beach donkeys. They mm -hmm. go on the beach and they're eating kelp. And so they get this weird stuff that's in our oceans and right. it can kind yeah. of get influenced. And their lifestyles are, or their life cycles are shorter than ours. And so even though substances that, you know, impact them and, you know, a negative way, um, they get, you know, grapefruit sized testicles it's still totally <laughs> fine to eat but uh the uh the interesting thing about that is he, he was totally fine to eat but it had me wondering like how far how far off the map am i and yet i'm still finding that there's influence of horrible decisions that we've made and it's impacting animals that i'm hunting i yeah, mean you, yeah. you can't get any more remote and yet because this guy and this guy's mother had eaten kelp on a beach that had you know who knows, like traces of Fukushima or something in the kelp. Right. You know, he was he was more, uh, um, I guess, susceptible to a crazy testosterone gene that, that made his testicle explode. So, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's interesting that that's the cause of like a cactus buck in Blackdales, because I've seen the cactus bucks in mule deer. And I, I don't yeah. know what necessarily causes that. But that's, yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of. What yeah, there, there was a I. I started Googling it. It was one of those things where you start Googling. And you're like, oh, gosh, what's going to pop up when I Google this? <laughs> but, uh, I, I Googled it and like, praise the Lord, like first hit was Alaska fishing game, like Kodiak. Like, OK, yes, nothing weird. <laughs> and it was a full on article. And it was like 30 percent wow. of bucks. They were finding, you know, this this, you know, interesting phenomenon probably because there were enough folks saying like, Hey, what's going on here? But yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally good to eat. But boy, he was, he was a big boy, but it's, it's interesting. Like it, um, I had heard that, 
um, some of your best meat is in is in hermaphrodite animals that you know like the some some you know chromosome doesn't jive the right way and then the meat's real good and so right i've, I've huh. researched into a little bit of that stuff but this was my first encounter with an animal that exhibited something uh, beyond my initial understanding yeah that's interesting now <laughs> you you guys like to take some photos while you're up there as well i've seen some of your photography and man you've got some you've got some beautiful photos is that you're your wife's passion that you uh get out there and do the picture snapping Oh man, we both like to take photos. Um, you know, on on my end, there's definitely something to be said for just enjoying the moment completely and not taking photos and not feeling the need to to shout about it. Um, I've the past few years, I've I've been a part of so many experiences that are just unbelievable, um, and and I love taking them in. I do, you know, love to have photos. Actually, I was on a moose hunt. And this was probably a fairly seminal moment for me. I was on a moose hunt and uh, moose get pretty randy um, and oh, they'll, yeah. they'll respond to calls very aggressively. And I mean, a big bull is 13, yeah. 1400 pounds. Yeah. And right. so I, I got in this valley and, you know, I was feeling pretty confident about my moose call and I start seeing some shapes coming over a ridge and I'm like, oh, cool. I, I got something coming in. And then I got another glimpse of the shapes and I thought, why am I seeing three? Well, shoot, I think it might be wolves. Not 10 minutes later, I mean, the first time that I glassed these shapes, they were a mile away. Right. 10 minutes later, this sow grizzly is snapping trees, and she's got oh, two man. cubs with her, and they're just super silver cubs. But, um, you know, the the calling and kind of engaging with them that way, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty fascinating. And I remember being su super regretful that I didn't take any photos. And at the same time, uh, when they when they walked up on me, you know, you see something going by and you get excited. And then usually it's about that time you remember, I haven't peed in like six hours. I need to pee. <laughs> and so I have my pants down when she started busting alders in front of me. Oh, man. And I'm just standing like, oh, man. And I wasn't afraid. I was enjoying it. You know, stood my ground and. She figured out I wasn't a moose and she wasn't going to mess with me, but I didn't take any photos. And I thought, oh, man, that's, you know, and I, <laughs> I kind of try to channel back to that first, like really intense brown bear count encounter. And I kind of wish that I'd taken photos. But then on the other hand, kind of nice to just enjoy it and be in the moment. So, yeah, there's a there's a catch 22 with those moments. So sometimes yeah. I like to leave the camera put away and, and sometimes it's nice to have the memories visually there, too. For oh sure. yeah, without a doubt. Well, it is uh, about the uh, hour mark, and I know you have got another meeting that you have got to get to. So I'm going to let you kind of tell everybody where to find out more about you, where to follow you on the social channels, and uh, thank anybody that you want to thank. Yeah, you know, it's um, I, even just being on this podcast as a part of my serving as a, a fishing team ambassador for Jackson Kayak and. I'm just excited to to see the the organization be a, a positive influence in the outdoor community. Um, you know, it's something that I stand by and and I enjoy being a part of. Excited to see it grow up here in the north. I mean, we we definitely use it uh, more than just recreation, but for our lifestyles up here. And so right. excited to see some some growth. You know, hopefully we can see an uptick and maybe getting some Orion coolers into people's hands. 
why uh, why spend days searching the beach for a lost Yeti cooler when you can buy an Orion today? <laughs> there um, you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, the, you know the the paddles that I'm using on the boat and the kayak bending branches paddles, they're great. Um, man, getting those carbon paddles when it's freezing, that's really nice on the hands. Sick and tired of holding on to cold aluminum. Oh, so re- really nice to get a, a a nice carbon paddle in your hands. Um, started using uh, Huto game bags um, this year and and really excited for just the lightweight long range stuff. So uh, Michael's a, a great guy running that company. Check those game bags out if you need a really good backcountry game bag solution. Stick it straight into your cooler. It'll work fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I, I've been using these uh, advanced elements inflatable kayaks when I can't take a rigid kayak with me. And they're great. Uh, if you're looking for a ship to shore, you can still on your boat for safety, something you can carry into backcountry. Check them out. Um, you know, I've, I've been uh, uh, just really blessed to get some good gear out on these adventures. And, and I'm a guy that has to live by that gear. Um, there's been plenty of trips where if the gear doesn't make it, I'm not making it. So, you know, if you want to follow these guys, uh, check out their gear and, and check that out. If uh, you're wanting to come up to Alaska, um, you know, check our company out. It's Last Frontier Ventures, um, really kind of getting established here in Kodiak and getting people out on the water. It's a blast. So feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Fishing for Good. So thanks, guys, for having me. Hey, Josiah, yeah. thank you thanks for being, for being here. here. Um, hope you'll have you back during thanks, the winter. Man. We'll all be bored during the winter, so you can come back during the winter. <laughs> yeah. we'll talk. We've got more to talk. I felt like we was just starting to get rolling, so we'll uh, we'll all sit we'll around and dream about what what we'll do when the weather warms up. Exactly. <laughs> you can hold me accountable. I I've got uh, two two goat permits, so next time we talk, I better at least have a goat down. So we can I look forward to hearing about that. Yeah, keep us yeah. posted. We're, we want to hear about it, but I will let you go because I know you got a jet and I know you probably got stuff to do before your next meeting. So I will, uh, we will talk to you here soon, Josiah. Sounds great. Thanks. All right, man. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye. Episode number 18. Yep. I missed the button. Look at me go. There it is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for watching episode 18. We hope you enjoyed it. I know we enjoyed it. We had, we learned. I like learning. I think that's. Well, Alaska is always a place that's really intrigued me too. So. Yeah. I mean, it's good uh, to hear more in depth about that. Very intriguing. And, you know, to, to have a guy like that, that's just immersed in it. And, you know, you can tell that, I mean, it's just, it oozes from him. That's where he wants to be. That's what he wants to do. And I think that's, that's 99% of it. Once something like that's in you, man, it's just there forever. Gets a hold of you. That's for sure. It's, I mean, we were there for, I think seven or I think seven days and it just, it was not long enough. I mean, if you're going to make that trip, it needs to be bare minimum two weeks, I think to really kind of dig your feet in and, and see, yeah, and really you know, see what it's all about yeah I mean, I mean we you know we we were in anchorage we hiked uh flat top there in anchorage and we ran out saw connect glacier took a side-by-side trip out and did that and then went down to seward for a couple days took a boat out stayed on an island a couple nights came back in i mean it was just it was cool the last the sea and wildlife center there and, and seward was really neat to see and stuff and I mean, just it felt like the trip was over as we were just getting going, you know. Yeah, and and you know, still to this day, my mom and dad will even say that you know, 
Alaska is probably one of their most favorite trips that they have done. Um, of course, they did it via cruise ship, but you know they still talk about it. Yeah. they still love it. They say they say they'd go back. So yeah, maybe they will one day. Yeah, I don't think I'd do a cruise ship. Um, I think you need to get your feet on the ground and yeah, they're older. Do some driving and see it that way. But uh, yeah, yeah I think that would be that'd be pretty amazing. I've not made it there, but uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll get to film your goat hunt. I might have to start uh, doing some come along, climbing. Come along to, to film the caribou hunt, maybe. You know, I'd just keep the bush planes away from me because, uh, nah. <laughs> nah. Uh, you know, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I'd be fine. It's the uh, it's the bush planes that scare me. I just don't know if I'm down with landing on a creek bed, man. Those look like fun. All the stuff I saw you ramp your four-wheeler off of back in the day and land to nothing, and you're scared of a bush plane. Absolutely. <laughs> Terrified. <laughs> the difference is the difference is 22, 24 to 42. Yeah. It's just not as – just doesn't sound as much fun. I get nervous. I get nervous in my old age. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well – Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Check out this episode and others on Spotify, Samsung Podcast, Podbean. Podbean. I think we're on Pandora now. We're in a lot of places. <laughs> we're in a lot of places. iHeartRadio, maybe. If you can't Amazon, find us, you're not looking very hard. Just don't look on Apple because we're not there. Because I've got to get that figured out. It's on the list. We can't figure it out. We're, yeah. We just, we get busy and then we forget. So we apologize, Apple users. And we we'll thank you there. for listening. Oh, Google. We're on Google Podcast. Because Google <laughs> Google was easy. Um, but yeah, check out uh, Jackson Kayak, jacksonkayak.com. Um, Flex Drive Mark IV. Uh, we've got the, those on sale in the store right now. Uh, we've got 15% off at select dealers um, for 2022 and other closeout models. Uh Orion Coolers, the big price drop. Uh, we've been talking about it for a month now, and the price drop's real. We're cheaper than Yeti, better, and we're not floating around the ocean. We're not floating around <laughs> in the ocean. They're grizzly bear proof. I can show you the sticker. Not right now, but maybe tomorrow. I'll check Orion Coolers Instagram feed. But anyway, check us out Orion Cool at Orion Coolers on the IG, and uh, we'll see you guys back here in two weeks for the next Orion podcast, which will be the 18th, October 18th. Uh, right, next before I make a, right before I make it home for a hunting trip. There you go. And then uh, we'll see you back here Thursday. Doc Talk, Jackson Kayak Doc Talk. We've got another select group of guys coming back on for the show. It's going to be another good one. We're going to let these guys argue and tell you all about fishing. So with that being said, we will see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye. Later.